And we are live with another episode of SEC Tavern Talk. I'm your host, Rob, joined today by my co-host, Wes Meborn. What's going on, man? What's up? Go Blazers, Roll Tide. How's that for a little switcheroo? That's how you always say it. No, I usually start with Roll Tide because, you know, Bama's the actual SEC team. Ah, okay. So I'm going to go with my alma mater this time. Go Blazers and then Roll Tide. Oh, man. All right. Are you ready to jump into it? Man, I, I've, I've been ready for, for several days at this point. I mean. Yeah, I've been waiting on you. Man, uh-uh. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> uh-uh. Don't you do it. Uh, great, reference. great reference. Great uh, reference. <laughs> well, how about that Alabama game? How about it, man? Um, you know what? It, it It wasn't a pretty win, but. I'll take an ugly win over Texas A&M much more than that ugly win over South Florida a few weeks ago. And uh, Texas A&M is a a good team. I mean, they're they're not as bad as they were last year. Uh, They're not great. Um, But, uh, you know, it's it's a win. It's on the road, which uh, is super helpful, uh, especially after two years ago. Jimbo becoming the first former Saban assistant to to beat him in a game. Um, it was kind of nice getting getting that monkey off the bat back, um, you know. And especially too, it was it was good for Milrow because last year Bryce Young was injured and didn't play during this game, and Milrow kind of filled in for him. Well, this time it was Milrow actually being the guy, and uh, he showed out. Um, still still had an interception. wasn't a huge fan of that of course but uh he threw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns which i mean you if if he has that kind of output week in week out i think we'll be okay um uh, overall uh what really concerns me uh, honestly again with the penalties for crying out loud we didn't quite get to 100 yards but 14 individual penalties and i think like 9 of them were pre-snap so you could tell that uh, the crowd noise was definitely getting to everybody. Um, and, and I think one of the announcers mentioned it, um, that it wasn't an issue the previous week going to, to Starkville because by SEC rule, the cowbells have to stop once the teams line up at the line of scrimmage. Well, there were no cowbells to stop. So the crowd noise continued on. And I think that is going to be a problem. Um, it, especially with the road games that that are left, but I think even more egregious after two weeks of the offensive line finally opening up some holes for the running backs. Uh, this past week, twenty six rushes and only twenty three yards. That is not going to win you any games. Uh, that's not going to put the game away in the fourth quarter when you're trying to hold a lead and run the clock out. Um, and I think if if that doesn't uh, get fixed, uh, along with Milrose short and intermediate passing game, um, I would expect fourth quarters to be more interesting than they should be. Uh, this past week included, um, you know, you want to be able to churn out first downs on the ground, uh, and if you don't have the running game, you want the quarterback to be able to throw those quick 
you know, slants. We saw it a lot with Hertz and Tua and Jones uh, when they were uh, taking snaps. Um, Milrow doesn't have that. Uh, he doesn't have the short game. He can air it out, but you don't want to air it out when you've got, you know, a touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. So, I, you know, um, bottom line, though, a win is a win. Uh, we'll take it as, uh, you know, it's a division rival, conference rival. Um, it uh, puts Alabama in sole position at the top of the West, which is where you want to be, especially coming into October. A lot of good games left, a lot of good football left to play, but uh, we'll get to those uh, later on. That's that's all I got to say. Roll Tide. All you got to say about that? That's right. Well, Georgia decided they wanted to come out and play this week. Seems so. I I don't know why, but they did. Maybe they decided we were playing a top 20 team all of a sudden. I don't know. They came out and won 51 to 13. And daggum, to quote one of my friends, Carson Beck looks like the ghost of Stetson Bennett. <laughs> like, good grief. The man, aside from one interception, had almost a flawless game. He started 12 for 12. Yep. I mean, I, it's it's insane. We had – he had – 389 yards, we had 435 total in the air, 173 on the ground. <laughs> like, to Kentucky's, what, under 200. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy from a team that a week before had had, uh, what was it, over 300 on the ground and 280 by one player. Like, and he only had, I think it was 59 rushing yards. Yeah. Game. Davis was held in check. Uh, and I, I think that was probably the best way that Georgia could have played it, right? Because you want to come out and you want to start fast and take the running game out of it. Right. Which starting fast has not been something Georgia's done all season. But uh, to your point, maybe, you know, playing that top 20 team, it's like, all right, we, we need to wake up. No hitting the snooze button this well, week. And I think. <laughs> I think one thing that's helped Georgia is all the talk and all the doubt mm-hmm. and the disrespect that's been put on them. I think that's one thing that woke up Beck the most because he said the one thing that motivates him the most is disrespect. And uh looks like maybe the rest of the team too. But, of course, it doesn't hurt when you have the best player in the country on your team, Brock Bowers. That man is just – He's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I, a matchup nightmare. I mean, that's his third straight game with over 130 receiving yards. Yeah. <laughs> he's nice. already – like, I looked at him on a list, and it said he's currently sitting at uh, fourth in the Heisman race. And that's – With good reason. Yeah. Like – <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. He's Georgia's reception leader on the season, right? I believe so now. As a tight end. Yeah. The first couple games he wasn't because he didn't get for whatever reason he didn't get much. But 
I think Georgia was going off of the kind of last couple years mentality of we're going to kind of use everybody. And now they're like, okay, we're going to use whatever we got to use to, to get the yards, to get the touchdowns, to get the wins. And so, you know, in previous years, we didn't have to rely on him as much. Um, right now we're just throwing to him as much possible just to, because nobody can stop him. And so, yeah, I mean, he's, let's see. Oh, yeah. He's, he's got 37 receptions on the year. Number two, Dominic Lovett has 22. Yeah. So, yeah, between this and the Auburn game, that's really where he stepped it up because he had, what, seven or eight catches in the Auburn game too, right? Yeah. And let's see, he's got – on the year, he's got 545 yards receiving and four touchdowns. But most of those have come in the last three games. Yeah. He hardly had anything in the first uh, – first, well, I guess the first three. Really the first two, he hardly had anything. We the, – the third game, he had a decent game, or maybe it was somewhere in there, one of the first three games. And then the last three, he just turned it on. Um, and I – I mean, Georgia hasn't covered all year. They far more than covered this game. <laughs> But they covered for the season in one game. <laughs> I mean, it was 14 and a half, and they won almost 40 points. So, yeah, they – that's just crazy. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, it, it's – it was a crazy game. Um. We had, let's see, how many people? I don't even, no point even counting how many people we had act, uh, get rush rush attempts in that game and then total 173 yards. Same thing in the air. We had so many. We had like 15 or more that caught a pass. And... uh Ra Ra Thomas is starting to come out too. I looked yep. to pick him up, and JB's already got him on his team. I was like, "Dang you!" <laughs> I was like, "How do you have him?" Like, I know you didn't just pick him up, so you just kept him this whole time. That's right, jerk. But uh, but moving on across the league, we had Mississippi State beat Western Michigan by thirteen. That's just sad. Yeah, I mean, you'll take the win, right? Yeah. But I, th- this is this is something that I, I've I've wondered about for a while because there there was um, for the longest time, like when Alabama played LSU uh, with uh, Les Miles and Nick Saban, it was like the next week both teams played more poorly, and it was like that game took so much out of them that it, it drained into the next week. I wonder if the the way Mississippi State lost last week kind of fell, fell into that. It was almost like, all right, well, it's not Alabama, it's Western Michigan. You know, we can, you know, I, I don't know that to be true. Um, you know, we, we've talked before about the uh, the coaching situation 
and, and how it's probably not as good as it was well, definitely not as good as it has been probably not as good as it will be uh so this is a, a transition year in a lot of ways but i just wonder if there's if there was sort of a, a little bit of a hangover right big sec loss at home and then turn around and have a non-sec uh non-conference team and just don't play up to it. yeah that could be i don't know i didn't see the game so it's hard to really say what went on but <clears throat> um other than that we had Ole Miss narrowly defeating Arkansas Arkansas hung in there I definitely yep. thought Ole Miss was going to win by more than that um we had Florida beating Vanderbilt who cares <laughs> uh, 28 to 14 Florida does Florida cares <laughs> yeah and then LSU Beats Missouri, man. What a game! I thought Missouri had that. I really did. Uh huh. You're Brady the only Cook, one. Brady Cook, and I, and I really wished I would have. You know, a lot of ways I would have picked it, even though I, I got it right after all. But like, Missouri had the early lead, and they, oh, I can't believe they let LSU come back. Then they had a chance at the end, and just threw that pick to to give them the, the seal of the win, but, ah, oh, man. Yeah, what, what killed me watching that game was the, um, the, the drive that uh, Missouri was down three points. It was 42 to 39. They crossed the 50. It was, at one point, third and one. And that led to, I think, a false start, which made it third and six. And then a fumble, a sack fumble, with the ball bouncing back, they finally recover, turns into fourth and 32 at their own 28. It's like, what in the world just happened? Like, you're in a situation where you've got probably the best kicker in the country. All you need is a first down, one yard, just lock the crowd out, get the first down, and you're on the right side of the 50. You don't have to go much further to be in his range, <laughs> right? It's just you get into a position to, to, to win the game, and they don't do it. And then they make the boggling decision to go for it on fourth and 32. Of course they don't get it. And you got to wonder what happens if they punt it. There's worse field position for LSU. They, you know, Missouri doesn't get the ball back with no timeouts from their own four and throw a pick six. It's just like the, a comedy of errors right there at the end. Questionable decision-making, poor execution. It's like, oh, you were so close. But, you know. Close only counts in horseshoes, hand grenades, and nuclear weapons, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, about two late, you know, end of game um, decisions for LSU back to back weeks. Crazy. Lose one and then win one. Insane. Um, well, that's all the games we had in the SEC, but um, 
I wanted to talk about the uh, kind of landscape of the undefeated and kind of what the the conferences playing out could look like and then playoff times and just all the different scenarios and stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, I think obviously after that Kentucky game, Georgia is once again unquestionably the king of the hill, right? Two-time defending national champs. They finally woke up, and oh, my word, did they wake up. (laughs) You know, um, right after them in the rankings, you've got Michigan and Ohio State, and you know that's – and Penn State's not too far behind at number six, so they play the round robin. One of them is going to emerge out of that. Probably not two, but it's not unheard of, right? They both made the playoff last year. Uh, They may go 0-2 in the playoffs again this year. Who knows? And, uh, you know, outside of that, I really think uh, it's it's as wide open as as you'd imagine with, uh, was it 11, 12 undefeated teams left? 14, I believe. It is. So you have Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Penn State, Washington, uh, SC, Oregon, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. North Carolina, Louisville, Air Force, Force. uh, James James Madison, and Liberty. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Liberty. (laughs) Well, I think those last three we can we can agree are probably not in serious consideration. Right. Um, and I would argue probably Louisville's not either. But they're undefeated right now, so we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They're undefeated. I mean, their best wins against uh, Notre Dame this past week. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not the greatest win, but for a program like Louisville, how they play this next week and the week after that, after uh, a big win. I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that was uh, that was on the road, wasn't it? I think it was in South Bend. Yeah. So, no, I mean, no, 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 no. They won at home. Okay. Okay. Well, still, big, big night win at home. Um, you know, it's when you're a program on the rise, it's when you have a big marquee win, how you play after that. Can you can, can you keep it going? So remaining this week is irrelevant because they'll win. Then they have Duke, um, Miami, and Kentucky. Those are their remaining games that matter, like that they yeah. won't win easily. Yeah, I think uh, both of those are going to be uh, difficult. Uh, All with, three of them, you mean? <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm thinking Duke and Kentucky, um, okay. Miami. I I I I don't think that's going to be an issue, even though they're going to Miami. I I could be wrong. I just I, I look at that and I think Duke is right here um, after Pitt. Right, so it's going to be the next week, or, or I'm sorry, they get a bye week, but they so they they go they go into Duke. Um, the the thing here though is I think with the ACC right now, mm-hmm. if you've got say Georgia goes and wins the SEC without losing a game, yep, and then you got an undefeated Pac-12 champion, you got an undefeated Big Ten champion, I think. Right there, you got three teams already. And then 
if OU goes and runs the table and goes and defeat, I think there's your teams right there. Probably. But then, of course, if Florida State runs it, if Louisville loses one game, I don't see how they – they're done. Like, Oh, sure. And so – but even if they go undefeated, that means that they have to run through and beat the other side, which is likely Florida State at this point. Yeah, and they, they don't get Florida State in the regular season. If... Right. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. they got to beat Duke, Miami, Kentucky, then Florida State just to make it. And yeah. I just – that's a tall order for a team that – Yeah. I, I was already thinking they lose uh, Kentucky. Um, I think they probably skate past Duke. Uh, Miami mm-hmm. – the, the, the reason Miami was so low on my radar of the three – was the week before Miami plays Louisville, they go to Tallahassee to play Florida State. Uh, and so that's that's kind of what I was thinking is is the hangover from that game. Um, you know, and, th- and that'll be a big test for for Miami as well. Of course, you know, they they lost to Georgia Tech. So, you know, they 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 could have that uh that sort of well the ACC syndrome, right? You're Top, top team in the conference, and you drop a game you shouldn't. We saw, we've seen Florida State do that well, and so lots of times. What's crazy about that, too, as far as this week, losing that, is that is twice that that Cristobal has made that decision. One was at Oregon, and then one's at Miami. And instead of kneeling the ball, he runs it, fumbles mm-hmm. it. The other team went, ends up scoring and winning. Yeah. You, you can't be that stupid. Like, and not twice. Yeah, that was that cost you the game both times. I mean, it's one thing that we've seen uh, quite a bit out of teams is end of end of game clock management, right? I mean, when when you make wild, dumb decisions in the, the the last couple minutes of the game and it works out um you know we cheered for less miles doing some of the dumbest things imaginable it's still dumb though it's it's still dumb and and it, it's it goes back to just because you get lucky work. doesn't make it smart <laughs> yeah yeah just, just because it works doesn't mean it was the right thing to do and to to your point i think you know miami and, and Cristobal is highlighting is, you know. Well, and, and to me, that's always, you know, you can say, oh, well, the offensive coordinator decided that at that point in the game, that's a head coaching decision. Mm-hmm. The head coach has to overrule the offensive coordinator and say, we're kneeling the ball or, or whatever, like if that's what he's trying to do because you're getting paid the big bucks to do – to make those decisions at that point. And so <clears throat> I don't know. I <laughs> I mean it, the with Miami specifically this it just it, it's a pattern of okay is is Miami starting to creep back into things and then they always somehow they end up blowing it. They end up choking or they end up and so yeah, it's the I, ACC syndrome like I said, we've we've seen Florida State do it. We've seen Clemson do it. We've seen North Carolina do it. You know, it's it's yeah, it but seems Miami to be a recurring thing. Teams that do it year after year after year. 
Yeah. When they when they start off well, they haven't ever really ever since what early two thousands when they still had like dominance in their teams. Yep. Um, ever Mary since Joker. then, it's always been something. <laughs> yeah. But um. Yeah. But yeah, you look at the Pac twelve though. I mean. I, I kind of think that the Pac-12 is going to somewhat cannibalize itself. I'm, I'm using that as a um, – those aren't my words. I'm parroting what someone else said, but mm-hmm. – um, I listen to podcasts. <laughs> but, no, um, but I, I kind of do because, I mean, you look at Oregon and Washington have to play, them, play each other this week. Yep. And both of them have to play USC, right? Um, that's a good question. I know one of them does, or I believe. But yeah. I want to see. The USC plays them back to back. Washington comes to Southern Cal. And I'll be and honest, I think that's 0-2 for USC. Quite possibly. Boy, that's, so then, that's a gauntlet to, to finish the year. Because get this. Um, their last three games, number seven, Washington, at number eight, Oregon, and then return trip uh, to Crosstown rival UCLA. Mm-hmm. There's no easy out. That's, But, you know, at the same time, if they finish that 3-0 and and wind up, um, you know, winning the Pac-12, I don't see how you keep a Pac-12 champ out in, in, in that scenario. Yeah, but I mean, look at it. What if you got – this is the strange year because what do you do if you have Oklahoma undefeated, mm-hmm. you have one of the Pac-12 teams undefeated at this point, you have Georgia winning undefeated, you have Florida State or – I mean, it could be little, but at this point, I'm going to give more credence to Florida State because they – at this point, they're ranked higher, mm-hmm. so the undefeated is going to look better. So let's just say, let's just, for instance, say Florida State runs the table undefeated. And then you have uh, either Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State, one, running the table and going undefeated. That's five undefeated, but you only got yeah. four spots. What do you do? I, I, I'll, I'll be honest with Never you. Never happened, think, but. Yeah. It's, it, well, it's, I think we had six, six or seven undefeated teams. One year back in the BCS, before when you yeah you had USC. Yeah, but that's BCS. We didn't have the playoff. Well, that's true, but it was a whole I mean, different system. So it was it did yeah. But I'm I'm just saying for for multiple teams for multiple conferences to be undefeated, it's not unheard of. It's rare for sure. But, but it's I never think, happened under the playoffs. No, no. It, it that's what I'm not. saying. And you've never had. Um. Like this is the most parity amongst the um, Power Five conferences. Usually, you mm-hmm. have a couple that dominate all together. This year, you've got multiple teams in in the conferences that are looking really good. Yeah, yeah, three in the well, Big Ten. You got um, three in the Pac-12. You got 
three in the Oklahoma and Texas right now. I mean, no, mm, te- Texas just just got uh, thumped in the Red River. They got, they got beat. I would say they got thumped. I mean, that was a, but but yeah. So I, I don't know. Like I'm just saying though. But Texas is a quality team. So that Oklahoma true. win means a lot. So that's that's what I'm saying is like the competition in each. Um, basically, what I'm saying is, uh, if a team had run the gauntlet and won the Pac-12 undefeated in previous years, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have meant as much as it does right now. Yeah, and th- and that's why I think even in that scenario, say if you've got um, undefeated SEC champion, undefeated ACC champion, undefeated Big Twelve, uh, Oklahoma undefeated Big Ten champion. Uh, what was the fifth one you said? I forget which. So if you had, um, basically all five. Uh, right. So if you had Oklahoma, Georgia, Ohio State, or Michigan, or Penn State, and then you had Florida State, and then you had Oregon, USC. Washington, Oregon, Washington, USC. Right. Or yeah, I I, I think in that setup the early uh, success of the Pac-12 is going to work in their favor. And if that happens, they would likely jump the ACC champ. So you're saying you think the ACC champ would be left out? I I think so right now. Um, It's possible uh, it would be the Sooners. Uh, It would be the Big 12 that gets left out. I think at this point it would be because I think that the Big 12 is the weakest top to bottom. Well, it's not just who's the weakest top to bottom, but among the contenders, who's got the better schedule. And, um, you know, conference play does come come into play there. But say say, – Texas uh, winds up. Well, what we know regardless of schedule, SEC champion undefeated is not going to be left out. Correct. Especially if you're talking uh, two-time defending champ. Yeah, Georgia, I mean. But it ain't happening. What, uh, I mean, ju- just in that setup, as, as I look at the schedule, I think you're probably right. It is the Big 12 champ that gets left out, primarily because Florida State, if they fi- finish undefeated, they're going to have that win over LSU to start the season. And it's it's not a great win, but it's a stronger non-conference win than what Oklahoma is going to wind up with. Right. Uh, and it was a dominant season opening win. And it's going to mm-hmm. be tough to to keep that out. What, uh, what I anticipate, to, because to your point, that many undefeated teams is virtually unheard of, is suppose – um, just to be a homer for a second, suppose Bama runs the table and beats Georgia in the national champ or in the SEC championship. Effectively, the same thing, right? <laughs> right. So you've got uh, one lost conference champ, one lost uh, conference runner-up. Then let's say Texas runs the table, beats Oklahoma in the rematch in the Big Twelve. One lost conference champ, one lost uh, runner-up. Uh, Similar thing happens. Uh, you, whoever loses, say USC, Oregon, wins the rematch in the Pac-12. 
one loss conference champ, one loss runner up. And you just play this out, you know, um, Louisville, uh, Florida State have the same thing. You've got maybe uh, two between Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Um, one of them loses and uh, uh, to to one of the others, then goes on to to win the Big Twelve, a uh, Big Ten. So now you've got not five undefeateds, but you've got ten one-loss teams, all either conference champs or conference runner-ups. What do you do there? <laughs> Besides, I pray have, for the committee. I have no idea. But 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 see, the thing that's funny is. The, the funniest thing about the, like, so say the Pac-12 ends a three-way tie, you know what happens? Well, the, the Pac-12 has a championship game this year, don't they? I'm saying if it's a three-way tie. Oh. Well, if they have Pac- some committee or somebody or some, some, some organization just chooses a team and they, they end up winning or something like that. It, it's ridiculous. Like, they they end up being the top. Well, I guess it's two teams to play for it, but like, yeah, the SEC would never stand for that. They always have like eighteen different tiebreakers. So that oh, you you're talking about division the division tiebreakers. Uh, I don't know. I was just listening to it the other day, and they were talking about because uh, with a conference championship, whoever wins that game wins the conference like yeah the, the, yeah yeah. i know that but but i'm saying to to no or maybe it, maybe it was the acc yeah yeah it was the acc sorry the ac i think it was that if they had a three-way tie because they don't have divisions uh, to see who would play for the title oh okay okay yeah that, yeah, yeah okay that That's makes more was. sense um, yeah and it, either way However, the conference decides the tiebreaker. You're going to have a championship game, and so you're going to have right. But, one team but it's, win. because there's no divisions, it's like some. I don't even think it's a committee. It's like some. A few people just decide. Oh, we're going to pick these two teams, based on like yeah. no particular criteria. I'm like, that's just stupid. <laughs> like, what? so basically, it's probably a popularity contest. Oh, and get this. Now that I look at it, Florida State, Louisville, and North Carolina don't play each other at all. It's possible all three of them finish the season undefeated. Who? Uh, and from the ACC, Florida State, Louisville, Louisville, whoever, however you want to pronounce it, and North Carolina. All three of them don't play the other two. They could all finish 12 and 0. Oh my gosh, that's insane. It I just just that might have been what they were talking about too. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty far fetched, but I mean, you got what Louisville 6 and 0, Florida State, North Carolina are 5 and 0. A lot of football left, but that would that alone would be crazy. So, so between those three, let's say they all three went out, and if it stays as it is now, you've got Louisville number one, Florida State number two, North Carolina number three. So, in that situation, 
you could have an undefeated team not even play for the conference title and say Louisville sneaks one out and uh, beats Florida State. So now you've got a one-loss Florida State runner-up, undefeated Louisville conference champ, undefeated North Carolina that didn't even get a chance. Oh my gosh, that's that's what's so crazy. Oh, and then there's the possibility that say Florida State wins out, but plays like Georgia did the first few games, so they just start kind of dropping in the rankings as their wins look less and less impressive. And then suppose you've got undefeated Louisville and North Carolina bump them up top, and then maybe Florida State doesn't even play in the conference championship game after spending a, the first half of the season in the top four or top four. That's crazy. Oh, man. Yeah, it's great. It's, there's wow. too many scenarios. But... It's October, what? man. Anything can happen. Hey, it's Brocktober. <laughs> no, I, I will never call it Brocktober. It is. That's what Georgia fans, yeah. Georgia fans have been saying that since began since October started, like we've been calling it Brocktober. Hey, I, I get it. And quite it's honestly, working. Uh, we, we haven't talked about the Heisman that much. And as as much as Caleb Williams is doing to to put the entire USC football team on his back because the defense isn't holding up their end of the bargain for sure. Um, and I think Brock Bowers probably – top two Heisman candidate, realistically. Uh, As long as Georgia keeps winning and he keeps balling out, I mean, he's getting seven, eight catches. I mean, he's team leader in receptions as a tight end, Uh, team leader in touchdowns and yards. I mean, you you keep this this type of production up. You know, we've seen a non-quarterback or or non-quarterback and non-running back get uh the Heisman within the last few years, you know, Devontae Smith got it. We've never seen a tight end get it. That's not true. Oh it's been one time, but it's been oh. a long time. Okay. We've never seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't what, remember what, what it was, but that I don't I don't remember who it was, but I remember it was men- I heard it the uh that it was done once. Okay. Um, so back before they started doing the forward pass and the tight end was moving H-back. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember how long ago it was. But, but yeah, the thing about Caleb Williams is I don't think he's got a shot to win it because they have a thing about back-to-back winners. They don't like to give it to him. I'm not saying it's not possible, but he would have to be so overwhelmingly ahead of everybody else. Mm-hmm. And right now I think Michael Penix is too close to him. So I think if they're going to give it to anyone right now, it would be him and then maybe Brock Bowers. But we'll see. Mm. Are you ready to jump into picks? Uh, yeah, let's let's do it. I'm, I'm, I want to find out what tight end won the Heisman. <laughs> I knew that you were. <laughs> um, is your hatter – wait, yours is not SEC. Um, <laughs> you, you know what my hatter is. Uh, JB's is – what is – is his not SEC? I think it is. It, it is not. 
His is Big Ten. Okay. So all of ours are outside the SEC. All right, so you want to tell everybody what yours is? Oh, it it should be no surprise when UAB is a 10-point underdog to – who is it? Uh, I lost it. Utsa, Texas San Antonio, uh, the Roadrunners. Give me the Blazers to pull the upset on the road, going out to San Antonio and the Alamo Dome. You know, uh, this this has been a fairly good uh, back-and-forth rivalry since UTSA came up. Uh, into the Division One ranks or the, the FBS ranks, uh, and uh, I like what UAB is doing. Zeno is slinging it and uh, from uh, from under center, and you know I I like what we're doing. Um, coming off a big win against uh, South Florida, bigger win against South Florida than Alabama had. Just saying, just saying. Go Blazers and then roll tide. <laughs> Well, JB has Iowa uh, beating Wisconsin. Yep. Well, here we go. I'm going to – this hatter would break up some of this probably been having with the the whole ties and the undefeated teams. Okay. Give me Schrader and the Syracuse Orangemen over Florida State. Love it. That's that's what I was looking at. I was thinking that's where you were going to go. Yeah, I like that. I like that pick a lot. That's it, that's a big dog too. That's a seventeen and a half. It's points. a big dog, but Florida State is beatable, and Syracuse is underrated. Yep, I still think that. Um, and that quarterback is good. So if they hit it just right, they can win this game. Yeah. You're just saying that because you got Schrader on your uh, fantasy team. No, no I don't. We don't have ACC players. That's right. Well, in my other league, I I think I tried to find him, but he was he was already picked up or something, or maybe I don't remember. Um, but because um, I think I tried to acquire him, but that's all right. I got Liberty's quarterback in my other one, so he's just been killing it. <laughs> he had a an all. Uh, a down week and still had 20 something points. So it normally averages like close to 40. <laughs> and I just picked up um, Boston Colleges, who's been in like oh, wow. 38. So <laughs> the rest of our team sucks. But <laughs> well, when, you're su- when, when your team sucks, you're throwing the ball a lot. So, of course, yeah, yeah. you get a lot of points. So oh, man. The right people. Uh, yeah, Syracuse coming off back-to-back losses. That'd be a nice little, little way to bounce back. Bounce the back-to-back against tough opponents. Um. Yeah. All right, let's do. Um, what do we want to hit next? We were doing that. Was it Oregon State UCLA? Yep. Yep. Who you got, Wes? I uh, get. Give me the Beavers. And I, I like Oregon State. Um, I know we picked the UCLA game uh, last week, and I picked against uh, UCLA. I thought Washington State uh, was was going to sneak in and and take it from them. But uh, Oregon State is the home team. It's a night game, seven o'clock kickoff. Packed uh, Pack twelve after dark. You know it's uh, it's going to be a wild stadium. Uh, uh, Corvallis. Um, I just 
Give me the beers. Oh, yeah. and the points. They're three and a half point favorites. So give me the points. Yeah, we um, we're all three the same on this one. Uh, I mean, give me DJ Uyungale or however nobody knows how to say his name. <laughs> his mom and but, dad do, and that's about it. Yeah. I've heard the media say it about ten different ways. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we all got Oregon State and covering in this one. All right, on to the next game. We got uh, North Carolina and who was it? I'm losing it now. Miami. Miami, thank you. Who you got in this one? Miami's coming to Chapel Hill, and the home team is a three and a half point favorite. Same as the first one. Give, give me, give me the home favorite to to win this one. I think North Carolina's doing doing solid. They're not great, but they're good enough, and they're good enough to get by Miami. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was tempted to go the other way, but I just nah. I got I got North Carolina in this. Give me Drake May with the points. And I think JV has yeah, he has UNC to win and cover. All right, and then our one other non-conference, non-SEC uh, pick is Oregon and Washington. JV has Oregon outright. Um, who you got in this one? Yeah, I got Oregon outright as well. I know this is a a road game uh, for Oregon, but um, you know, Bo Picks has apparently figured out how to throw it to his own guys, and uh, Oregon's just playing lights out football. And I know Washington's doing doing the same as well. I expect it to be a good game, close game. I just think the ball is going to bounce the Ducks' way. Maybe they get a turnover uh, differential that uh, steals some points, maybe a quick possession before before the half or something like that. But uh, they're going to squeak it out. Yeah. Um, I'm going to quote a, a hockey movie here. Oh, boy. And be like – and say, quack, 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 <laughs> quack, quack. We might even see a, a football version of the Flying V. Give me Dan mm. Lang and the Ducks. How great of a kick return would that be? Oh, man, if he did a Flying V. <laughs> oh, man. I got to I gotta call Landing up and be like, hey, man, you got you to gotta figure out this formation. You still got his number even though he left Georgia? <laughs> I wish I had his number. Nah, I really like what uh, how Landing's been running this team. Mm-hmm. The – He's done well in his short time there. Um, Michael Penix is a, an unbelievable player. But I think overall, Oregon is the better team mm-hmm. um, from top to bottom. So give me the Ducks and I say – I mean, give me the Ducks outright. Um, all right, well, so far – We've all been – the graphic has been uh, steady across the board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all right. In the SEC, we'll start with Georgia in Nashville. Uh, Georgia's favored by 31 and a half. Do they cover this red? I think they do. I'll I – after the big win, it's it's easy to think Georgia's going to say, all right, it's Vanderbilt. Let's take our foot off the gas a little bit. You know, maybe they sub in 
uh, second stringers and, and work on depth play a little bit earlier. But I, I think Smart's going to want to build some momentum. He's going to want to start fast again. And if if and when they do, um, the second half, they're going to blow past that 31.5 point figure. Yeah, well, JB has no uh, faith in it, but I do. <laughs> um, I think I think Georgia has – they came out to play this past week, and I think they're – I think they're out to prove some stuff now. In the beginning, they were coasting. I think now they're they're ready to play. Um, so give me, I'll, I'll take the points on this one. All right, next, let's see. Um, Arkansas at Bama. Bama's favored by nineteen. I know you're picking Alabama, but do they cover the spread? Um, I think so. Um, as much as uh, as high as I was on Arkansas earlier in the season, um, they just have not lived up to that expectation. And for a handful of reasons, you know, throughout, um, they just I don't know that they, they haven't shown it now. Th- this could be the this could be the day, you know, Rocket Sanders could break out for 150 and a few touchdowns. Um, but based on what we've seen, Based on how the teams have progressed, I think Arkansas has taken a bit of a step back. Bama took a big step back earlier in the season, but has taken a pretty big leap forward. I think where these teams are right now, uh, 19 is a big spread, but I I think with the big playability from Milrow, I think finding the running game again uh, uh, with a team that's not as good against the run as Texas A&M, um, I, I think Bama's going to win pretty comfortably. Yeah, so JB has Arkansas <laughs> winning outright. Of course he does. Yeah, no. Give me Alabama by – it'll be a four-possession game. I don't know if it'll be 24 or 28, but they they about more 12. than cover the spread. <laughs> yeah. Four field goals. Not not what I meant, but yeah. <laughs> uh no, four score for uh either twenty-four or twenty-eight. Yeah. They'll win by more than the spread. Let's put it that way. They That's will fair. they will easily cover the spread. I don't see this being close. It is in Tuscaloosa. Arkansas is not doing well. They're two and four this year. Yeah. Um uh, is playing well. I I see them winning by at least 21, but I think it'll be more than that. All right, moving on. Let's go to uh, Florida. Goes on the road to Columbia, South Carolina. SC is favored by two points. What you got, Wes? Beamer ball, baby. This is this is a great weekend for South Carolina to come roaring back to uh, get another statement win. Granted, Florida isn't the Florida of old, but after you know losing two of the last three uh, to Georgia and Tennessee, uh, bouncing back with a with a big win against an SEC opponent, big win in the East. I think it's going to be huge for uh, South Carolina in the game. Cox, go Cox! Yeah, we all agree on that one. We're all going to be ball. All right, next let's go Auburn LSU. The game was in Death Valley. 
at night, LSU is favored by 11. Yeah, I think the Tigers are going to win it, right? I mean, <laughs> given the <laughs> – yeah, no, we, we talked oh, about this a little – yeah. Uh, we we talked about this a little bit before we started recording because uh, an 11-point uh, spread, you really want to pick Auburn. They can get the running game going, but uh, against LSU, LSU, again, is another another one of those teams that uh, they've taken a step back from, from last year, but I think they're still a step or two ahead of Auburn. And this being in Death Valley at night, is going to play in LSU's favor, and I just don't think Auburn's going to be able to hold on to it. So give me LSU and the points, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's in Death Valley at night, and LSU's weak area is their secondary. Auburn can't pass the ball. Correct. <laughs> so give me LSU and the points. Yep. JB says the same thing. So far, we're all in, in agreement except for uh, Georgia covering. Uh, all right. Next, Missouri goes to Kroger Field in Kentucky. Kentucky's favored by two and a half points. Who you got, Wes? Uh, oh, this is this is tough. This um, is tough because I mean, both teams had big losses this past week, and I can't figure out which one is more demoralizing. I can't, I can't think of which team is uh, going to be able to recover faster, but I will default with the team that's got the best running back. So give me Kentucky, the home team, to uh, put it away uh, at home. You know, two and a half point favorite. I'll, I'll go so far as to say uh, they don't cover, but Kentucky wins. Okay, Davey's uh, <laughs> got them winning and covering. Yeah. I will too um say they win and cover because it mainly because it's at Kroger Field. If it was in Como, yeah. I'd pick Missouri. This game was a toss up to me, but merely for the fact that it's in Kentucky, I'm taking Kentucky. Yeah. Um that's really all there is to that because I can see this game going either way. But um so I'm going with a coin top flip going to the home team. <laughs> and then finally, we have AM traveling to Knoxville to that garbage truck worker convention of a stadium. <laughs> Neyland Stadium. I hate it. It's awful. It is the worst stadium to sit in. It's just, it's just awful. I can't stress that <laughs> enough. Uh, <laughs> Let me guess. You hate Tennessee. Yep. They low down, uh, but but really, even if I didn't hate their team, their stadium is just terrible. It, it's it's awful. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Tennessee is favored by three and a half at home. Who you got? Uh, there's no way I'm picking Tennessee, but this isn't just an anti-Tennessee pick. Um, aside from the fact that we just saw. Texas A&M and how good they can be. This game pits the number one rushing offense in Tennessee against the number one rushing defense in Texas A&M. And looking at who Tennessee has gotten uh, 
their their number one rushing offense in the SEC against Virginia, Austin P, Florida, Texas San Antonio, and South Carolina. The only the, the best team out of those I think they played besides uh, well South Carolina was was good but at Florida the toughest game the, the one that's away from home they only got a hundred yards on the ground if Florida can hold them to a hundred yards Texas A&M has held every team they've played to a season low on the ground Tennessee will not be able to move the ball well on the ground they want to be able to establish a pass which is going to make them vulnerable to turnovers in the air which Texas A&M can certainly capitalize on and I don't have the confidence in Tennessee's defense to um, stop A&M for 60 minutes so give me A&M to win it outright yeah we're all in agreement here I I mean everything what, what you just said I agree with but I think it's going to be a relatively low-scoring game, which I think favors A&M. Yep. Um, I think Tennessee's going to try to run it, but they're not going to have much success. <clears throat> and uh, I think A&M's going to do just enough. Mac, Max Johnson's going to, going to get enough in the air. And, um, yeah, I mean, I can see it being – 17 to 7 game or something like that. I don't know. It may be more than that, but I don't think it'll be all that high scoring. But I definitely will take AM outright. And JB says the same. So not a single not so fast. I know. It's crazy. That 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 tells me our picks are way off. <laughs> <laughs> We cannot all be in agreement and right. <laughs> ah, yeah. I don't know. Crazy. We'll find out, though. I will. Play it. Well, <laughs> that's all she wrote, man. That's it. It's a good show, brother. Yes, it was. Anything else? Any final words? All righty. Well then, till next time, just remember, brothers, to let your light shine before men so that they may see your good, good works and give Father give glory to your Father in heaven. Easy for you to say. <laughs> and we'll see you in the tavern. <laughs>